I'm going to greet each one in the Master's name this morning. It's been good to be with you thus far, being uh, able to see some familiar faces and a lot of new faces. And it's 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 a good. That's great to continue to pray the Lord's blessing on this on your church here, and as you look forward to relocating, hopefully this uh, sometime this year, that the uh, Lord would continue to guide you as you serve in this part of the state, and as you reach out to those around you, as continue to follow his lead, and uh, was a good to be with Brother Mike, This is, uh, we were, my wife and I were also at Minister's Week this past week, and we very much enjoyed it, got to meet some new uh, friends there and got to see some see some old faces there also, so it was a blessing to, as part of a, part of the work that, uh, yeah, the, sometimes you maybe get the feeling that you're kind of alone, but there's, uh, it's not, that's not the case, there's many people out there that are doing doing their part in the work of the Lord and so it's good to good to be encouraged again there bring you greetings from Union Valley also we're uh, up in northeast Pennsylvania in a little town of Rome and some of you maybe have heard of that um, we're Probably about 20 minutes from the the New York line, so kind of give you an idea where we're at there. So you're welcome anytime to come worship with us. Also, just thinking of what uh, what we need to, what the Lord wanted to share this morning. Um, we live in a world where I don't know if you're if you get the same feeling or not but I just feel like it's continually getting more difficult to to believe things that you hear or even see sometimes um Especially, in the, it feels like it has has increased greatly in the last number of four or five years. But uh, I think in Revelation it is it does tell us. Also, Paul warned Timothy that the last days there will be more and more deceit, people deceiving and being deceived. So, what does that mean for us? What if what do we do about it? Do we just uh, hope and pray that it gets better? Again, if you're if you're a, study the Bible, you know that's that's not the case. That's part of the what Jesus warned his disciples that as the world continues on, it's gonna gonna get worse before he comes back. I want to think about a few things that uh, Paul wrote 
in some of his his epistles. Uh, these three of them come from the books of First and Second Timothy, and one from Titus. But he starts out these these reminders to these young brothers, Timothy and Titus, faithful sayings. Want to preface this with the verse from Jesus' prayer. If you remember, we were in in John 15 this morning in in Sunday school. But remember the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. It's a prayer of intercession. Not only his disciples around him, but the ones that he knew would come throughout the centuries after. And one verse in particular, just thinking about these, the truth that we need to continually go back to. In verse 17, God, uh, Jesus is asking his Father specifically, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He prayed that for you and I, for each of us, that God would set us apart through his truth. And then he reinforces that with the, the reminder to us that his word is truth. John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus Christ, the Logos in the original. The word was from the beginning. It was eternal. God's truth never changes. Maybe you you uh, run across these people that believe that you know their their truth is what they live by, and it's okay if you have a different truth. That's that's your truth. But what happens to that truth when they're gone, when they die? Does truth die also? If we run down that road, if we get sucked into that deception, we fail to realize that the truth that never changes the the one that we're denying if we believe that the truth is relative. God's truth is the one we need to build our, our, our lives on, a foundation that we need to continually build on. First one uh, I want to look at is in 1 Timothy 1.15. And Paul begins each of these reminders to these young brothers with the phrase, a faithful saying. That's the title for this message, a faithful saying. First Timothy one I think I'm just gonna we'll just quickly read that first chapter. It says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, 
unto Timothy, my own son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus, then I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. So do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. From which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is, is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners and for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjurers, perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and an injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, this that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them might, mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, with some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul here goes back to the base, the very basic, the very beginning. This faithful saying that he's going to give says is worthy of all acceptation. It's it, basically he's saying it demands our acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Salvation, and I hope that's everyone here understands, or at least in part understands, salvation and what it means to us. Jesus Christ, the God of eternity, the God that he created the world and set into motion all that we see around us. He was in the beginning with God, as John 1, as we said, John 1 was in the beginning with God, and by him all things are move and have their being. 
This is what Paul is reinforcing to Timothy. This saying, this faithful saying is true. It's absolutely true. There is no, no other way around it. You can't, cannot, de you can, yes, we have that choice. We can deny the truth, but it's still, our denying it does not make it untrue. The power that is there as we accept that faithful saying that he says here allows us to experience salvation. Paul considers himself, he says at the end of that verse, who, of chief of sinners. Uh, he gives a short list just before that of, of what he had done before he became came to faith in Christ. He realized who he was, but also who he is now as a servant of Christ, as an apostle. He is a other places he calls himself a slave of Christ or servant. And that's who Paul became because he believed in that salvation. You think of maybe some of those people that you meet that uh, would appear that there is there what we call a hopeless case. But in God's eyes there is no such thing. As we God prompts us to reach out to that person or persons and we plant, we get to have part in the, this planting the seed or maybe at the point where you have that opportunity to talk to that person, you're watering that seed that somebody else planted. I think it was just this past week I heard a, an example where um, Someone had planted a seed in a person's life and it didn't, it didn't exactly bear any sort of fruit until about some 20 years, 20 plus years later. So if the Spirit is speaking to you, as we were reminded in Sunday school that as we love Jesus Christ, He has commanded us to, to follow His commandments, and that is part of it speaking truth into someone else's life. If we think about salvation, one writer put it this way, for what is the gospel but a revelation of pardon to condemn criminals? You know, many of us here have been blessed to grow up in, in homes and families where we, we, we really can't identify with this part what it would be like to be a prisoner physically and be given a pardon. But that's what salvation does for each one of us spiritually. It's also a declaration of peace to proclaimed enemies. Maybe we can identify with that a little bit more. We, we say we don't draw the sword, we don't pull a gun, we don't go to war, but you know we have those moments maybe with a, an acquaintance where life is not as it should be. There's a little bit of a war maybe going on between me and another person, another brother or sister, whatever it might be. 
Salvation is a declaration of peace. It's also a proclamation of liberty to the enslaved captives. There's a lot of people, and maybe you know what this is, being enslaved to sin. Enslaved to something that you just, it was an addiction or, or a sin that you just could not get past until you allowed the spirit to take control. There's a lot of slaves today in, in the physical sense in the world. But a lot of times we find ourselves being slaves in a spiritual sense. But this is where salvation is, that proclamation of liberty. It's also a cure to diseased persons. There's lots of Lots of cures that are offered today. Lots of vaccines or things in the medical world that uh, is offered to us as, as cures to disease. Ultimately, the worst disease that us as humans experience is sin. And God has the antidote. He has the vaccine. We need to avail ourselves to that. Another faithful saying is in 1 Timothy 4. If you want to turn over there. All these faithful sayings deserve our attention, deserve to be accepted. 1 Timothy 4. 8 and 9 says but for for bodily exercise verse 8 for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation again uh, Paul here is, is comparing the physical with the spiritual. And um, he, is not, he is not saying that bodily exercise is of no value. For we understand that God has given us our bodies and we need to be good stewards of them. We need to do what we can to be a good steward of what he has given us. But as humanity goes, there's a tendency to, to get out of balance, to get more emphasis maybe on the less important things in life. For bodily exercise profits as little. So he's not denying that it's of total of no value but it's of very little he says godliness is profitable unto all things maybe you've seen some people that have gotten out of balance here where they all that matters to them is their physical the physical body being being in the best shape that they could possibly be 
part of that, I think, is the the desire to be able to live live uh, long uh, as long as possible. To do whatever they can to stay in shape to to remain healthy, which is you know that is good to a point, but when we have that as our primary focus, it's not what God is calling us to. We need to go back to to godliness. That is, as he says, it's profitable unto all things. It's It benefits everyone. Not only obviously here, but in eternity. So what is, how does that work out in our lives as as God's children. Part of I think part of the the godlessness of America shows up in in the health issues that many of Americans face. I'd like to think of it as our you know, America is not only physically out of shape, but very much spiritually out of shape. We have turned our backs on God, and, and I think that, that part of the judge, God's judgment is the many health problems that America experiences. <coughs> we take so many things for granted, I think, when we're, we have so much available to us, so much so much of the good things of life, what we would call, and we get our focus off God. To get it back around, so, uh, David, the psalmist in uh, Psalm 84, 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. When we get our focus off on the wrong thing, we think that we got we have to do whatever it takes to provide the the good things of life for ourselves. But here it's clear that God's promise is to provide for us. If we seek, as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When he says all, you know, we, th- we like to think of all the good things, all those wonderful blessings and the great things of life, but the all also includes some, some of the difficult things of life, some of the things that aren't necessarily considered pleasant but he wants to give us, if we get that focus, if we get our focus right, he wants to give us that abundant life that he promises. And that helps us to to avoid spiritual flabbiness when we keep God in the forefront. Keep looking to him, following his direction, following his lead. A familiar verse 
and in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, I think probably we, a lot of us would have learned this when growing up, says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. It was just talked about in Sunday school about successful businessmen and and all that comes with that. Can we be can we be content in what God has given us and continue to seek godliness? I hope that's I hope that we can that would be our goal. So we get our focus right in this life, it gives us a better perspective of what is ahead, that this is not all that's all that there is. You know, I think of those men and women that use physical fitness. That to them that's all there is in this life, unfortunately, a lot of times. So they put their all into it. Come to the end of life and realize that that's there was so much more to life that they they possibly missed because of their focus was wrong. Next one is in Second Timothy. Second Timothy two, another faithful saying. If you take note, Paul continues to build on these faithful sayings. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, says that a faith, it is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We see the the benefits and the blessings and the and the loss here in these two verses. It feels like a an oxymoron. We die. We need to die to live. And if we live here, if we're living for today and the moment. We experience eternal death. For if we be dead with him, if we die to our natural desires, the those things that seem so important to so many people today, if we realize that we're seeking after the wrong thing, if we're following what the, the world says is important, And if, if uh if you're like me it's it's much easier said than done to to die to my my natural man Paul dealt with that in his life he he need to he says that he had to crucify the flesh and it was a daily battle and feel like 
the Apostle Paul, he was, it appears like he would have been able to overcome that and as a successful apostle, but that was something he dealt with on a daily basis. So what we're called to, if we're part of God's family, we identify with, with Christ in his death. He has called us to deny ourselves. He called his disciples to pick up their cross and follow him. And as God's children, that's what, uh, is what we're called to do. 1 Corinthians 15.31 speaks to being dead to the world, dead to Satan and self. Again, it's something that we, we cannot do in ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15.31 says, I protest by your rejoicing that which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And here he's, Paul specifically says, I die daily. So it was something Paul wrestled with, and we need to, to also. We need to die daily to Satan's temptations, the desire to keep my schedule. How often does that happen to you? I, I find that very relevant in my life. The, I, have a, I have a deadline to meet. I got a schedule to keep. And I think God brings those things into our life from time to time where your brother was saying we need to choose. Am I going to choose to be a blessing to someone else, choose to um, help another brother or sister, whatever it might be. Sacrifice. If we die to live, we can look forward to a resurrection. John 14, Romans 6, Colossians 3 talk, speak to that. The resurrection that we here today await and we look forward to as God's children. We look forward to seeing loved ones that have, have gone before and ultimately seeing our Savior face to face. Paul also says if we suffer, in verse 12, that's again goes against our humanity. Who here just loves thinking about tomorrow? Just oh, I just can't wait to suffer some more. That goes against our humanity. That's what Paul promises. Or God's promise to us is: if we suffer, we shall reign with Him. You think of a king that's reigning, like King Charles now is king of England. Did he get there by suffering? Uh, I mean, I guess they had some rough, rough times in their life, but that was some of their own doing. 
with him and his first wife. But you don't. I, we don't associate pain and suffering with with uh, an earthly kingdom necessarily. Again, it's this is where God's kingdom and the the kingdoms of the world are are in very great contrast. Enduring to the enduring to the end. Um, Galatians two nineteen twenty very familiar verses there about being able to through through the power of Christ to be able to endure till till death. That's what we have to look forward to. If we choose to suffer for a short time and in in all the grand scheme of eternity, what we have to look forward to our life here is is just a blip. Reigning together with Christ. Can you can you fathom that? The the God of creation, the God of the universe is allowing us as frail humanity to reign with him. To reign with the Jesus Christ that was willing to come as a human being. The God that was willing to come as a human being to come down and sacrifice his life for for us. He's allowing us to reign with him. It's it's something that we obviously I don't I won't be able to understand it fully until we're until we're in eternity. See the the end of verse twelve is very, very negative. What can happen? If we deny him, he also will deny us. Challenge to each one of one of us here that are we tempted at times like Peter was to kind of blend in with the surroundings to. Maybe by my silence, I, I'm saying I don't know Jesus Christ. I don't know who he is. Or do I actually verbalize it sometimes? But we can take from Peter's story of redemption, there is forgiveness. But if we choose to walk away, if we choose to deny God by our life, there will be a time where I believe that at the judgment Jesus will will deny us. Let's be willing to to die to ourselves. It's, you see the the progression here in these two verses too. If as we choose to to die daily to our natural man that we can live and i believe as we choose to die the suffering in the beginning of verse 12 as as difficult as it is through his power through his grace he's going to to walk with us through that i believe and we can look forward to ruling with him in eternity.
we become short-sighted, it's so easy to deny him is the end of verse 12. And we, we don't realize what that means for us in eternity. The last one is in Titus 3, another faithful saying of that Paul wanted to give to his young ministers. So we think about salvation as was the first faithful saying. And then the second one was basically was godliness in our life, keeping the focus on the eternal. Next one was being able to suffer and to experience ruling with Christ in eternity. This last one is what it looks like right now for a Christian that has chosen to follow Christ. Titus 3, verse 8 <coughs> says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly that, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. <coughs> so we... We ended Sunday school with the reminder again that we need to love Jesus Christ. And in that love, that drives us to keep his commandments. And here Paul is reinforcing that again to Titus. If we, are, if we believe that God is who he says he is, it will show, it will, our lives will show that by what we do, by how we, how we live each day, how we treat others each day. What do people see in my life that draws them, that points them to our Creator? Following Jesus, Matthew 16 and Matthew 19 speak to that. Being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5. also speaks in Ephesians about putting on the armor of God, which each one of us as a believer need to do that every day. Putting on the full armor of God to be able to fight those battles. Exercise the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Again, those, those fruits that we don't force them. They, they, are, they come out of a desire to do the will of God. Paul calls us to shine as lights in the world in Philippians 2. Thinking about light. I heard it said recently that, you know, we, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe you're different, but I feel like it is... The world's getting darker and darker. Someone has said that uh, that's natural. Darkness is just doing its job when it's dark. That's, that's the whole idea of darkness. It's not doing anything different. So is it the, 
Is it the problem that the, the light isn't doing its job? The light is not as bright as it should be. And I think there's, I think that would be a yes. I think the, the light is, is dim, but we can do, we can improve on that. We can cause our lights to shine brighter in this dark world. Luke 21 talks about, I think I'm going to just turn to that one here to close thinking of our desire as a Christian, as a believer, as God's children. Luke 21, verse 28. Jesus was talking here of the his return. Uh, it's kind of mirrors what Matthew 24 talks about, but especially verse 28 says, when these things begin to come to pass, these trials and these um, the darkness that is feels like it's overwhelming sometimes. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. That phrase, lift up your heads, kind of stuck out to me because if you watch, maybe some of you here enjoy watching people with the advancements, what people call advancements in technology. If you are in a large crowd watching people walk here and there, how many of those people are looking down? So many people are looking down because they're watching, they're either trying to avoid other people's faces or they're looking at their phones. It's just incredible. And I just can't help but think how this verse is so relevant for us today. These things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. It's God's children. Let's, Let's put that into practice on a daily basis is to to look up to be a give that smile that's needed that encouraging word whatever it is to those around us and continue to to look for our redemption because we we were one day closer today to God, uh, the Lord's return we'll have a word of prayer then we'll have a song and turn it back over to brother Mike